Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Want more control over your life? You need more control over your money. Hi, I'm Jean Chatsky, and that's why I started the Her Money Podcast. From understanding your money personality to taking steps to earn more, spend wisely, invest for tomorrow, and protect it all, I can help you get there. So join me. Subscribe to Her Money with Jean Chatsky wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, life coach, and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, we are separating love from trust. One of the things that I've come to understand about this tribe of highly sensitive people is that we tend to mush and smush some things up that are emotional, and it makes things sticky and confusing and entangled. I didn't ever think about love and trust until I started working with families who struggled with addiction. I remember having a young man who had wrecked three cars in super dangerous racing drunk driving escapades had had high speed crashes it was quite a miracle that he had not killed himself or someone else or had tremendous injuries his parents seemed to trip over themselves to give him another car and i remember watching myself and the collective staff at the recovery center that I worked at try to explain to the parents that love was separate from trust. And that was a very hard concept. And I started looking out into the world and noticing a lot of us do this. Society does this. And it's such an important boundary internally to keep things healthy and clear because those parents struggled to see how their love could enable harm for their child. They struggled to connect how giving him the second, the third, and then the fourth car out of what they were calling love was disregarding of trust. And they would say, we love him, so we should trust him. And I believe that that's one of the most dysfunctional things we could ever believe, teach, or say. Let's look at the definitions of love and trust. Now, these are things that are very difficult to define. Love might be the most difficult word to define in our language. But Merriam-Webster says that love is a strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties. It's an attraction based on sexual desire. It can be an affection and a tenderness that's felt by lovers or non-lovers. 
It's an assurance of affection. It's a warm attachment. It's an unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the good of another. Love. Love is unconditional in this way when we feel it for another person. So we love people through their good behavior. We love people through their bad behavior. Hopefully, we already do or we're learning how to love ourselves in our good behavior and love ourselves in our bad behavior. Now, even though I love myself, there are certain things I don't trust myself with, big and small. I can't trust myself with sesame sticks. I will eat two pounds of sesame sticks. I've learned this about myself. I cannot trust myself with sesame sticks. Let's look at the definition of trust. Trust, as defined by Merriam-Webster, is to rely on the truthfulness or accuracy of. Trust is to place confidence in, to hope or expect confidently. That seems to be saying we trust, but we can't trust 100%. Trust is to commit or place in one's care or keeping as into entrust to permit to stay or to go or to do something without fear of misgiving. As I continue talking through this episode, you might consider thinking about someone in your life that you have both loved, maybe friend or family member, and trusted and how that worked out. Maybe that worked out really well. There are certainly times where we do get to love and trust people. This is what I might call my front row people, the people in my theater that get to occupy maybe the first row, maybe the first and second and third row. But a lot of people that I love or that I've loved, they need to hang out on the 10th row. Some of them need to stand up in the back of the theater, and some of them are out of my theater. And those are all different boundaries. Now, we mush up feelings like love and trust To be able to stay in what is happening, to be able to stay in confusion and hope. As long as we're staying in confusion and hope and asking questions, what is happening? What do I do? I don't understand. Why is this so hard? We would prefer in a psychological sense to settle on this confusion than to settle on letting go of hope. We don't want to look at the proof that we have when we love people that they're not trustworthy. We don't even want to look and consider that. If I am putting hope and crossing my fingers and maybe worrying, a lot of us confuse worry and love. That could be a whole nother episode. But in love versus trust, I don't like how I feel when I put down that hope. I would rather, if I'm thinking about an addict in my life, I would rather put hope into, come on, you can sober up this time. I know you can do it just because you want to and you're saying all the right things. I want to believe in that. That makes me feel like a good, hopeful person in a lot of ways. I might not feel like such a good person if I have to look at you and go, you're not really doing the things that make change happen. And that's disappointing. So I don't want to feel that disappointment. I don't want to feel negative or judgy. Some of us are scared and resist almost a sense of our ego if we're if we're looking at someone who's maybe not making healthy choices, not making positive forward motion choices. That can feel like judgment. It can also feel like ego likes to grab that maybe and kind of sit in a spot of I'm better than, you're beneath me. 
So we might not have a lot of muscles in just evaluating without our fears or our emotions clouding the picture. Toddlers are a great example of how we naturally separate love and trust. Mamas, you love your toddlers, right? I feel an instant loving ache for almost any toddler that I come into contact with. But we don't trust them to not run into the street, do we? We don't trust them to not eat poison from underneath the sink. We love them, and it would be crazy to trust them doing certain things. We have a comfortability with that. In adults, when we see the choices that someone is making, in Al-Anon, we often say, turn down the volume, look at the behavior. That's one of those oldie but goodie sayings out of good old AA and Al-Anon. Turning down the volume and looking at the behavior. That's to help us separate love and trust. Is this behavior something that's trustworthy? And when we turn down the volume, we get an instant sort of clarity on that. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. We can also feel inadequate because maybe deep down as a helper, as a feeler, I want my love and my hope to be enough to change somebody in my personal life. We, most of us on the seeker's path have learned enough that we, we know better than that. We know, we have read the readings, we have listened to the TED Talks, and we know in an information-based way that we can't change another person. That doesn't change the feeling of wanting it, though, does it? So in some ways, my psyche, before having this information and evolving past it, may choose may choose this confusion, this struggle, this endless hope down the black hole, this confusion and confounding of love and trust. Because I don't want to face when I let go of hope, when I say, I love you, but I don't trust you. My love is unconditional. Trust is earned and conditional. We're scared to say that because in that moment, I'm also having to acknowledge to myself that my hope, my desire, my worry, my pleading, my pushing, they weren't effective, makes me feel inadequate, that my best intentions are limp and ineffective here. So our human psyches would rather feel like a loving person that just keeps throwing hope And gets wrapped up in those messages that sound pretty good on paper, but maybe don't functionally work. I love you, therefore I trust you. No, it's so romanticized. Consider what we teach each other societally about families. Abuse in families, those statistics are nauseating to look at. But we teach as a society to trust family members instantly, don't we? We teach 
ourselves and each other, to trust family and to distrust outside world in relation to that family. That is one of the most common beliefs in our humanity. Now, if your parents do have your best interest in mind, if your parents have sorted out their own dysfunction in a way that helps lift children up, then trust and love, they're pretty okay going unexamined in that way, in a familial way. But for the people that are born into dysfunctional families, severely dysfunctional families, that societal message to just trust blindly the people you were born to, those seekers seeking something different, seeking sanity, seeking peace, we spend years, I did it in my own recovery, trying to sort out who I could trust from my feelings of love. I couldn't even begin to get to what would heal me, Nikki, the person, until I could sort out those family dynamics and sort out the confusion of how I thought I was supposed to trust and love people that were untrustworthy and that at best, if I'm generous, had a very dysfunctional way of loving. There are many things that go largely unexamined in our society. We continue to teach children to obey instead of to question. And so a lot of us haven't considered the difference between love and bonding. And for some of us, the difference between love and trauma bonding. Now, if trauma bonding is a new term for you, we've all seen this. I come from the land of hurricanes, right? And anywhere that we have natural disasters, the news always shows this. It's some of the best, most positive news we could possibly see, right? Whenever there's a disaster, hurricane, tornado, flooding, fires, the best comes out in people and we bond over that. It is a trauma bond. Now, when that's over a hurricane or a tornado recovery or fires, that can lead to some really strong relationships and some connections that can last years or be fleeting. But when you are raised with people who are also abusive and neglectful, that's a very different sort of flavor of trauma bonding and of disentanglement that must occur to really heal. We all know about the kidnapping syndrome, Stockholm. That's when someone who's kidnapped develops feelings for the captives. And I will continue to ask the question, as uncomfortable as it can make people feel, but how is this different than being born into a severely dysfunctional family? Other things that we don't consider that you might want to consider. In America, do we really know the difference between strong work ethic and workaholism? Corporate America is manipulating motivational psychology to convince its employees that workaholism is strong work ethic. Progressive corporations are manipulating by using this healthy language, and then when people get into the positions, they're often pulling it. And if you're part of a corporate entity out there that isn't doing that, that is genuinely doing meditation, honoring time off, flex time, good on you. Be the change. Do we know how to separate comfort from complacency as highly sensitive people? Do we know how to separate a good job from our perfectionism? Where are those lines? Where are those boundaries? Do we really know the difference between privacy and secrecy? 
How do we teach that to children? How do we teach that to ourselves? Do we know individually and as a society the differences between attraction and compatibility? It's been tremendous in my own healing to just sit with some of these concepts and consider and expand in self-love work and in loving others' work, intimacy, vulnerability. Love and trust are dynamics we can't escape, we can't get away from. What happens if we lean in, if we evolve our understanding of love, if we evolve our personal understanding of trust? What happens if we're boundaried instead of boundaryless around trusting? What happens if we stop letting others manipulate us by confounding and confusing trust and love? We even see this on a national governmental level, don't we? We will see politicians, we all have, who pull that string of love for the country and also trust me, trust me, trust me. What happens if we get wiser about that manipulative game? What happens if we stand more strongly and more firmly in, I may like you very much, I may love you, but you must earn my trust. What would it be like if all of us walked through the world a little more secure in knowing that we don't have to just give trust out, that others must earn it? What if that is one of the biggest forms of self-respect we could offer ourselves? We can do this individually and over time. I believe we can do it as a culture. If you are interested in taking my boundaries course that I teach once a year, come to emotionalbadass.com or nikkieisenhower.com to sign up today. We begin that course working on our personal boundaries within ourselves and we move towards external boundaries with other people towards the end of that course. I'm not blowing smoke when I say I believe boundaries are the foundation of everything in our mental, emotional, physical, spiritual health. I hope today's episode helps you connect with more love for yourself and in the world in a healthy way. And when we give ourselves permission to mistrust what hasn't been earned, we feel a stronger sense of self-trust. It's a very important piece in the healing journey. I'm an emotional badass. You're an emotional badass. And together, we are where Moxie meets Mindful. Take care, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. At a time when change is constant and we are pulled in far too many directions, we need a way to stay present to life and to increase our ability to remain calm, think clearly, and maintain our well-being. Many studies indicate mindfulness improves our mental, emotional, and physical health. On a Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee, 
you can learn how to practice mindfulness and enjoy its many benefits. Tune in for guided meditations and to hear tips and advice from some of the most respected experts in the fields of mental health and mindfulness. The world truly can be a better place. It all starts with a mindful moment.